Hey guys, in the Mukoyachu, Balarif in the Neber Tasfar Gallo, Nigar Betamarif Nebera, Zari, special episode Neminoran, Ulet Kamir Kaimetut and Duchinum, Igabas and Lachu, Doctor Check and Sherik Mini Balalu, Arbamet, Petarico Yusuhon, Bezulus, Disliduchin and Assament, Yeliduchin after twelve, Balufamatat, yet not to be President Bamahon, Kazam de Muchachuchin Bamet Kalina, Pastor Bamadre, Gandagu, a media missionary, Chini Mastermat and Pit Kafto, Yasari Ganyalu. Yauch Atachin Bengilzeniano Miono, Vesi Karim Senu, Bismogu, Ascademy Katante Kalen, Abdanyo Yenyo Odins, Mesmat and Demichel Salamene Petno, Abrochuku. Welcome to my podcast. We're so honored to be here. Yes. I'm really glad you guys are here. Yeah, so let's begin with. Your early marriage experience. You, it's been 40 years. You are going to celebrate your 40s mm-hmm. anniversary. Shows how right? old we are. I don't know if we should <laughs> say that or not. <laughs> so let's let's begin with your uh, early marriage experience. How do you, how do you guys meet? Uh, we went to the same college. We're from different parts of our country, mm-hmm. and um, America had a civil war, so it wasn't. People from my part of America don't usually marry people from her part of America. <laughs> it's, it's not like a burning hatred. It's just a we're not the same people. We're not gonna we're not gonna mix. Mm. So uh, yeah, we were in college together and and hit it off right away. You know, mm. but she became for me the best friend I've ever had in mm. life, and uh, we were best friends for years. But it. It never occurred to me that she should be my girlfriend or much less that I should mm. marry someone from her part of the country. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we went on like that for, for a while, I, and then things changed. When <laughs> I first saw Chuck, um, we had mutual friends, and we were doing this activity, uh, sports, like a sports day activity in our university, and we were watching arm wrestling girls mm-hmm. arm wrestling and I was standing on the top of a like I was above uh, where they were at and he was below and you know how when you look around a crowd you kind of just kind of glance the whole way around and all of a sudden if you could see Chuck right now you'd see he has very blue eyes mm-hmm. and I we call them baby blues I saw that it hit me it was like whoa mm-hmm. who uh, and I was interested whoa. and then my friends inside the dorm some of them really knew him well so I was tried to get to know him myself and um, one of them he was leading a Bible study and one of them invited me to come to that so th- it was almost immediate for me that I was very attracted to him hmm. but we, I knew that this was just a friendship and we developed a very close friendship friendship for about two years we were best of friends but mm-hmm. we didn't date we just and I think that was a, one of the magic things for our relationship is because we started out as best friends and we got to know each other we bonded deeply we saw each other in every kind of circumstance pretty much that you mm-hmm. can imagine but it was a friendship and till this day he is still my best friend so we always encourage young people marry your best friend and make sure that that is the foundation of your relationship. That's great. How do you know, Mom Sherry, how do you know he's the one? 
Mm, I was very attracted to his his pure relationship to Jesus. You know, it wasn't about religion and attending church and you know seeming to be doing the right thing all the time. It was I saw in Chuck a just a deep passion. Mm-hmm for his relationship for Jesus. And that's honestly what attracted me, besides the baby blues, <laughs> that's what really attracted me to him, was his character mm. and his love for Jesus. And um, I don't know, I, in my heart, it was like, this is, I could really marry this man. And I fell in love with him almost right away. Mm. But for two years, I had to suppress that love down. And there were many times that I cried and cried out to the Lord, like, oh, God. And, all, you know, times that I'd say, I just have to distance because my heart was aching so badly because I was deeply in love with him. But I knew that I was, like, mm. just a best friend and a little sister to him. How about you, Chuck? Mm. I was actually praying for her. And uh, I was praying for myself and for her, and I, I was praying uh, that the Lord would help me find a wife because I was at the end of college, and I wanted to know who I should marry by the end of college. So I was praying for that, and then while I was praying for me, I started praying for her. And I said, you know, Lord, help Sherry find somebody that really knows who she is. And, like, he sees the value, and he'll always treat her well. Hmm. And he'll take care of her, and I'm I'm really praying for her man. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, Mary, Sherry. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, you're so smart, you're God. That's <laughs> why you get to be everybody's wisdom and all that because you just saw that. And it was funny. It was just that prejudice mm. about her part of the country because that army burned our city. And so mm. that people that live in our city, and you know, we love our hometown – Mm. And it was a hundred years ago, as you know, as tribal conflicts go, uh, they just never die, and it's old stuff. But you gotta to uh, you know to let it go. But I just had never even contemplated marrying as good a Christian as I was trying to be. I still had that that thing in my mind. But uh, and then when the Lord said marry her, and I thought that would be great. Hmm. Cause, and I never doubted it. Like the second the Lord said it, because I was sold on her as a person. is like I've never met anybody like her before or after. And there's just – she's magic. And I said, wow, I could be married to her. And I actually got in the car and drove to my dad's house, which was my mom and dad's house, which was about mm, 120 kilometers away, maybe a little bit more. And I burst into the – dinner and i said guess what i'm getting married <laughs> and they said how you have no girlfriend i said i'm gonna marry sherry oh. and everybody thought that was a pretty good idea <laughs> they were sort of surprised because mm. they she was like my little sister yeah. so they said do you love her like wife love and i'd never even thought about that but you know as soon as i opened my heart to her and i said yeah she could be my wife man it was all the love i could handle and mm. Yeah. So then it was just how soon could we get married? So Yeah, because we were so deeply bonded to each other already. Mm. But interesting enough, uh, probably close to that time that this was happening in his heart, I was praying for the Lord to just release my heart because for 2 years, you know, I was g- growing deeper and deeper in love with with Chuck and the man he w- is. And 
but I, I couldn't take it. It was like my heart was about to burst. And so I just began to pray, Lord, can you take these feelings from me um, mm. or else turn his heart? And a friend of mine in the dorm that knew my struggle had shared this poem with me, and I don't remember the poem exactly. I wish I had, I wish I had it, but I don't. But the emphasis of it was that God was working in my life to create in me that perfect mate for the one mm. that he was creating at the same time for me, that if the timing is not now, it means he's not finished mm. with the work that he wants to do mm. in my partner, and that I need to be fully satisfied with God alone mm. and in that process, that it has to be that God can satisfy all my needs and all my love needs and who I am as a person. and then. Everything else, uh, we have an expression in America, I don't know if you do it here, but it's like icing on the cake. We get the cake, mm -hmm. but the icing is the sweetest and it's the best part, and God's gonna do that for me with that partner if I'll just be satisfied with him. And so that really spoke to me, and I began to pray, okay, God, that's what I want. Mm -hmm. And and then an, and the same friend said, you know, if you put a bird in a cage and you let it go, <laughs> if it's meant to be yours, it'll come back to you. Mm -hmm. But if it's never meant to be yours, then, you know, you'd have to move on from it. And I really did that, you know, many times I would pray and say, oh, God, take this feeling from me, please. And I'd think it happened, and sure enough, it was still there. But I really did that this time, and I said, God, take this from me. And I anticipated this is what God's going to do. And I remember, and I really gave it to the Lord, and I remember waking up the next morning, and this song, this love song came on the radio about you know, letting your love go, and you know, the lady's heart was broken. And the right time. Yes, and, and I began <laughs> to cry, but it was almost, it was really tears of joy in one sense. It, uh, it was, you know, painful tears, but yet I knew that I was doing the right thing, mm -hmm. and that I had truly released this to the Lord, mm -hmm. and given it up completely, not holding anything back. And in my mind, I thought that meant this is never gonna happen. And But I had surrendered. I think that's what the key is. I had surrendered all the, these desires to him. And I said, okay, God, not my will, but your will be done. Mm. And I anticipated that he was going to dissolve this feeling in my heart, and you know, we would go on, and eventually one day the Lord would give us both that perfect partner. And it was so, I mean, it was unreal. Probably within the next five minutes, a knock was at my dorm. In, in my dorm uh, door. And I opened the door and there was Chuck. And you know, one, this isn't supposed to happen because guys weren't allowed in the girls dorm and it's mm. like, there's Chuck. And he was inviting me to be his date to mm. this special um, ball that was happening at our dorm. And there was just something different. And it was like, God had done this in his heart at the same time that he had allowed me to surrender. Mm -hmm. And and it showed me that God wanted me to know that it was nothing about what we had done in building our relationship together, mm -hmm. but he was giving me this gift. And it was it was truly from him. So I knew 100% that this was the man that I was going to marry. You know, something I like about the way the Lord did her side of the story is, a lot of people are in relationships, and they're sort of owned by the other person. They're like it, – it's not a balance. Mm -hmm. They're the, they're captivated. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe she's just 
she just dominates his life and mm-hmm. he's like her little puppet boy mm-hmm. and he, he it shouldn't be like that that's not the beginning of a happy story you know there's got to be a balance so i i appreciate that the lord caused her to take a step back mm-hmm. and then say i'm in charge of my life and i'm in charge of my choice and even my feelings i can be in charge of my feelings so I'm going to make the move that I feel God wants me to make because it's the right move mm-hmm. and not just being like swept away by somebody and it, you know, your emotions become their property mm-hmm. when they ought to belong to you. Mm-hmm. When people in, in the best friendship wants to turn that friendship into relationship, they are very afraid of losing that person. If you are not uh, getting yes, mm-hmm. you, you will lose the friendship. But you were not afraid of that. I read somewhere, and it makes a lot of sense to me, the guy said uh, a successful marriage is one that enables each one of you to fulfill God's will for your life. You know, if the two of you are happy together, but neither one of you does God's will, that's really not a successful marriage. Your marriage got in the way of the reason you were born, because you had a calling. So I was really careful on the look for on the lookout for that kind of person mm. and um, I knew from knowing her and I think that's another benefit of not not focusing on the trying to find a girlfriend because I wasn't I didn't want a girlfriend and uh, I had had bad girlfriend experiences it never really ended up right so I wasn't in college trying to find a girlfriend I was trying to do a lot of other things But I built a friendship circle, and when I met her as a friend, I just knew, man, this is solid. For us to be together, just if I could just have what we were and do that for life, because I really don't think it's hard to become uh, physically attached to someone and to be sweet on somebody. It's just sort of the last level of that friendship if you allow yourself to go there. And, and honestly, I don't understand lifetime opposite sex friendships that you're not married to because hmm. sometimes you know we'll meet somebody and they'll they'll have a husband or a wife hmm. and they hmm. want to have another friendship that's their best friend hmm. and they do stuff with them and i don't i can't relate to that i don't understand hmm. that we have lots of friends but they're joint friends and it's all it's part of the us but uh, i think it's it's better to step back from it and look at the character of the person and see if If the, do they build you up? Do they tear you down? Do they love making fun of you? Do they? You don't want that. You know, if it's somebody that's always picking at you, mm. confidence is so important in life. And she, you know, she made me feel more confident, mm-hmm. and that was that was good for me. Partner should empower you. You should. He should make. He or she should make you laugh. You know, life shouldn't be heavy because you're now together. But it's it's to be fun and mm. and, and playful and you know it's something that you will you know dance through life together. Mm. And uh, that's what you want from your partner. And the one thing that I would say too is what you said. You know what attracted me to Chuck and I said you know about his relationship with the Lord and. Something that I have found, and I really encourage young women when they're, you know, measuring up that man that they think they might want 
we could could be their partner for life is truly make sure that their relationship with the Lord is first and above mm-hmm. all, and they sincerely have a relationship with the Lord, not that they're religious, not that they go to church, not that they just say that they're a Christian, mm-hmm. but observe them and know that they love Jesus and passion. Because for me, that is the one thing that will keep a man faithful in a marriage. Mm-hmm. Because I, as I've grown as a, um, as an adult and my naiveness, you know, has kind of gone away and I've, I've become, you know, I've understood life more and more and, and tried to understand the difference between male and female. I understand, especially, I feel like I understand, not like a man would understand, but as, as much as I can as a woman, just the, the constant sexual temptation mm. that is in a man because mm. um, I understand that God has made them men um, visual and sensual in that regard. And, and I, but I know that Chuck is faithful to me and will be faithful to me. And I don't worry about him traveling, one, because we put boundaries in our life to safeguard us. But secondly, and mainly because I know, first and foremost, he is a son of God. Mm. And he loves God and he does not want to fail God. So even though that temptation could be very great, um, and I know I'm getting off track a little bit, but I just want to encourage women, young women, to really know that their man loves the Lord, and that has to be priority. Mm-hmm. Is um, mm-hmm. what I was saying though is that you know, even though you know there may be a time where say we were tense or we're we're not just flowing together so beautifully, and a temptation comes his way, you know. Anybody can fall. You know, none of us are a void mm. from that, and that's why it's important we make boundaries in our life. But first and foremost is his love for God. And he, more than he doesn't want to fail me, I know he doesn't want to fail God. Mm. And God knows all things, and he knows our heart. And God, and I believe that he will remain faithful to me be, as long as that mm. love is first and foremost. So That's wise. Mm. I love how God did the job before Chuck knocked that door and asked you for the date and that that's, that was uh, pretty simple for him. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Tell us uh, one funny moment that you experienced in, in the early times of your well, relationship. Just before my praying for Sherry time, I went, and we were still friends, and I went to see her in a play and she played the role of the... Um, sort of like the old maid. And so she had old-fashioned clothes and old-fashioned hairdo and really bad glasses. (laughs) And I'm watching her, you know, and I'm enjoying the play and everything she says, you know, I'm enjoying it. And then at the end of the play, there's this man that comes in and he's part of the play and he's the handsome man. And then there's this moment, you know, and she uh, she Ooh. like pulls her dress open, and it's mm-hmm. underneath the ugly dress is a beautiful dress, and she drops the ugly oh. dress, and then she uh, shakes her hair down, and then she throws her glasses away, and she jumps up and he catches her, you know, Ooh. and I hated that man, <laughs> and I thought, why do I, why am I so mad at him? You know, she's my friend. She if she marries somebody, that good for her, but I just did not. <laughs> like her being around guys 
and I knew, oh, something's going on. <laughs> and interesting, that night he treated me differently also than just that little <laughs> sister, best friend kind yeah, of feeling. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's a beautiful story. Layers, layers of things <laughs> that happen. Yeah. So, uh, one thing that I, I have observed about you guys is you are the most different people. Dad is yes. an introvert, <laughs> very. <laughs> very introvert. He loves to be alone. He enjoys nature. A mom is very <laughs> extrovert. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> she loves to talk everyone, laughing, playing. How do you guys uh, unite through all these differences? Uh, what makes you unite? Well, uh, just a word about introversion, because this is one of the biggest differences between people all over the world. And it's a misunderstanding to think that an introvert doesn't like people. What it is is they have to generate their own energy. And extroverts get their energy from other people. So more people, more power, more party, more. They can't sleep after all night at a party. They're buzzing, you know. And an introvert, like one hour into the party, they're trying to find a quiet place they can go, talk to one or two people. It isn't that they don't want relationships. It's sort of like when that lady touched Jesus and he said, whoa, I felt something go out of me. Well, mm -hmm. that's sort of an introvert with life. You got to build your own energy in your space, mm -hmm. and then you go out and do your thing. Um, I've had a very public life, and we pastored a large church and planted churches. We traveled, and I've been a speaker. And done a lot of things with people but you know I've learned I have to manage my life and uh, it's been really helpful for me I think you do marry someone that has what you don't have mm. it's been really helpful for me to have Sherry in my life because she in some way shields me and makes sure that I get my fill up time uh, and at the same time she makes a schedule for us that pushes me out more than I would normally do um, and um, and she's a good icebreaker because the hardest thing for an introvert is a room full of people you don't know. <laughs> and you're supposed to, like, work the room. And, you know, I, I have a brother that loves that opportunity. He, you know, everybody's going to know me by the mm. – in one hour, everybody will know my name. They'll know I'm not that person. Uh, she, she is. And so <laughs> she can bust into the room. It's, it's happiness time for her. And, and they – they like me because they like her too, and they like her. And so she starts the happiness feeling, mm. and then I get to sort of pull alongside of her. So she's been a massive asset uh, all my life, but it works because she doesn't, she doesn't look down on the way I am, and she doesn't see that. Uh, like I've heard somebody recently saying, uh, my husband, he just doesn't like people. And that isn't the truth. He likes people like likes me. I mean, I'm his friend. Uh, but it's the way she sees him. And I'm so glad that Sherry doesn't see me like that. Because uh, that cooperation is at the heart of every marriage. Mm -hmm. Is that you're going to – it's the two of you against the world. Mm -hmm. And you're like mm -hmm. team marriage. Mm -hmm. And it's not that the marriage is the center of your life. It's your mission is the center of your life. You know, what the Lord is and what you're called to do. Mm -hmm. But your marriage is the superpower. It's mm. your atomic energy for mm. that. And so you, you, you find a way to work together to have power in life because really a unified couple, I'm glad you touched on that word, um, unity is the core issue. You know, a lot of people want to have a talk about submission. 
And all that talk does is create tension and separation. But if we'd focus as much energy on the talk about unity, mm-hmm. uh, unity is so powerful because a united couple, they're worth like five people. They're just so strong in life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've been super blessed. That's oh. crazy. Yeah. yeah, I think it's important to see that we complement each other mm-hmm. as a couple, not us just personally, but all couples. Because uh, often many couples are opposite. Every once in a while you'll find somebody that has – pretty similar personality types and and but yet more often than not we find couples that have pretty different personality types like ours and it's that you learn to appreciate the strengths mm-hmm. of each other and then there's compromise that comes because because as chuck said like when we go to a party i get energized you know if we are we're with when we're with lots of family i get energized and um I've had to learn over the years as we've talked about each other's needs in our differences is that you know, like when there's a there's a limit of how long like I could stay on I could be the last person at every time <laughs> we're together at a gathering and we often are yeah, well yes but I've also had to learn to watch you know Chuck and realize that it's time to go and often I will start it takes me a while to say goodbye because I want to say goodbye to every single person mm. in there so I will know that as I can see, you know, in his expression or, you know, we have a little nod that we give each other that, okay, it's time. Mm-hmm. And so I go ahead and start making my goodbyes and so that we can leave, you know, at, at a reasonable time for him. He's stretched himself well beyond his time. And so, you know, we've learned over the years how to negotiate mm-hmm. um, those mm-hmm. kind of things and not to expect more from our partner than you know what they can give um, mm-hmm. often that's a source of, con- of tension is you know that we have we put on our partner more expectations mm-hmm. than than is fair to them like we anticipate somebody said when two get married uh, we become one and mm-hmm. I'm the one and we need to recognize that I'm not the one we need to look at our partner and and mm-hmm. understand them study them it's important to study each other and and mm-hmm. and really appreciate mm-hmm and value the differences that we bring to the table with each other, that we can be stronger because, you know, what his strengths are are not mine and what my strengths mm-hmm. are are not his. But if we put them together, then we have all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love that. I, he's, you know, because he's quiet and more quiet and reserved and he'll sit still longer, he reads a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, I, if there's anybody around, I can't sit still, or often even if not, I need to be moving. So I have told people many times, I've read hundreds of books through Chuck. Mm. He reads them, and he tells me all about the content. So I get to Short read version. <laughs> without reading myself. Interesting. <laughs> I love how Chuck said, uh, when, you, when you unite, it's like five people. Mm-hmm. That's, That's great. <laughs> the compliment makes you stronger. Yeah, lots of power. Lots of power, yeah. Uh, tell us the the reason for you guys to last 40 years in marriage. We learned a handful of helpful rules, and we both believe them. The hard thing is when only one of you is really serious about these things, uh, and so the other one's always having to pull them along. So we were both from the first day really committed that we were not going to be, well, on one, we're never even going to joke about separating or divorce. Hmm. We made it a rule before we even got married, not in our anger and not when we were being funny. It Hmm. is just not, we never have said that sentence. 
Never an option. Mm -mm. Uh, but I'm also not going to be miserable all my life. So the other point is, well, let's be happily married. And to do that, it's not the hardest thing in the world, although it is one of the hardest things in the world. Um, but basically four things. We found four things that really are helpful. First one is uh, you need to take responsibility for your own behavior because somebody's going to be the focus of your critique. And it's either going to be my partners need to change mm. and all that's wrong with them and all that I don't like about them and what they, they're not doing right. Or you're, you're just going to focus on yourself because if you don't take responsibility for your own behavior, you're going to blame them. Mm. That's going to be the opposite. And mm. you really don't have a choice of a middle road. You're either you're, It's an on-off switch. Mm. I'm either a person who focuses on my own need mm. to improve and my need to carry my water mm. and my need to do you know my part of the load. I need to bring it. Uh, or I'm going to blame my partner, one or the other. And I don't want to be blamed and mm. I don't want to be a blamer. So that was our first rule. Mm -hmm. The second one was... You, you need to understand when you get married, you've been given a new job by God. And he anoints you and ordains you minister of encouragement. And you are your partner's minister of encouragement from that moment on. And if you don't do that, you're going to choose the other one, which is I'm going to be the devil's agent of discouragement. And that middle word is courage. So I'm either the one that builds Sherry's courage or I'm the one that takes what courage she has away from her and your words to each other and maybe even more your word about each other in front of them but with other people what you say in their presence to others about them that is you're either going to kill them or you're going to build them up and the good thing about an encouraged person well i can say it the other way discouraged people behave poorly so you're going to get the worst side of your partner. You're chained together for life. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to discourage the person that I'm mated to, this is going to be a long road. Uh, or I build them up, and then even if I'm not my best, they just let it go because mm -hmm. they're up. You know, they're feeling great. So that was the second one. You're a minister of encouragement. Thirdly, you need to contribute. Um, you're either a giver or a taker in life, and it's it's not marriage is not fifty fifty. Mm. You can't be calculating if she, you know, did my partner do for me what I do for them? You're just going to be, you're not going to be happy if you do that. It's got to be 100% give. Mm. I'm here to give. Jesus said give and it comes back to you. He said you're more blessed if you give. Mm. So 100% contribute. What mm. can I bring to this marriage? Mm. What do I bring to our family? What do I bring to our relationship? Mm. And, um, and then, again, as an introvert, I tell myself a lot in my mind, you got to bring more energy. You know, you just got to bring energy. Get awesome. some energy, because mm. uh, often I just don't feel like I have it. It's like mm. I don't have social energy, mm. and I've got to make myself bring my game. So contribute, because if if you're not a giver, you're a taker. I don't mm. want to be that. Final one is cooperate. Mm. Um, if you don't cooperate, you're going to compete. Mm. There's your other choice. Mm. So I think honestly, you can pray five hours a day. But if you don't do those four things, you're not going to have a happy marriage. Mm. And if you pray five hours a day and you blame your partner and you take from your partner and you discourage your partner, you know, and you're doing the opposite of what makes life good, 
you can't expect going to church, singing a lot of songs, reading your Bible all the time, writing Bible verses. That is not a cure-all. Your behavior, you build your own marriage. It's your life. Make it good or you make it bad, but it's yours and it's completely yours. And we just took responsibility Mm -hmm. to make our life together a good one. And it it doesn't always go smooth, but that's when you have to call time out and then, you know, call your own foul and say, all right, I did wrong. Mm -hmm. And don't make your partner point things out to you. We do a lot of premarital counseling. We always tell young couples, marriage was not designed to make you happy, mm. but it's made designed to make you more like Christ. Yeah. And it's um, if we'll take that seriously, you know, Jesus said to deny ourselves and mm. live for the other. And if we like, if I will do that and not think about all the things that He needs to give to me, how He needs to make me feel good, but what can I do for my partner? Mm. And if he does the same for me, if he sees our marriage as, as that's his responsibility is to to pour into me to and and we're both doing this, we'll have mm. a beautiful marriage and we will be happy. It'll come back to us, but we become more like Christ as we deny ourselves for our partner and, and mm. it makes for a great marriage. But I would like to add just a couple more things that that I feel like has really built um, and this lasting relationship that we have and and has kept it alive and in love and and as best friends and there's a couple things one is never stop playing you Mm. know don't let life get so serious that you don't play together you know we pursue each other's interests of fun things that we like to do and and try to do you know those things together and um, laugh together. Dance. Dance together. I love to, if you know me, you know I love to dance. Um, I, I love the video of you guys dancing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and and uh, then we have this other thing called uh, um, Law of First Encounters. It's mm. a thing that we instituted in the very beginning of our marriage. Every time we see each other for the first time, whether it's waking up in the morning or if I go out for an hour and come back in, or if Chuck goes to work and comes back in at the end of the day, no matter what it is, or and with our own children too, it's like every time we see each other for the first time of mm. that set time of separation, it's going to be good. It's going to be positive. It's not going to be me offloading how frustrated I am with the day that I had, or or complaining about something that I didn't like that he may have said mm. that morning. Um, it's going to be positive and encouraging mm. and light. And then later in the day or evening or the right timing, and timing is important, then maybe I can discuss that. But it's going to be a, a positive encounter every time so that you know we're excited to be back together when mm. we've been apart. And, so, and then uh, one other thing I'd like to say is we've been very, very intentional about our time spent together that we again instituted early on that um, we did most a lot of marriages if there's not some major problem that has occurred uh, because of one or the other selfish desires in their relationship they can erode over time because life does get serious and it gets busy between children and jobs and other things um, that take time away that 
we tend not to put pursuing each other as a priority and it'll just erode over time mm-hmm. and we end up on two tracks instead of you know coming together on that mm-hmm. one track so we just said okay what do we need to do mm-hmm. to make sure that doesn't happen to us 25 years later or 40 years down the road and that we'll still be in love we'll still enjoy each other's company we'll mm-hmm. still want to go out and dance together and mm-hmm. um and so we just said okay we're going to have every week we're going to have a date um wow. and uh every night before we sleep we're going to spend an hour where we're eyeball to eyeball we're not going to be we're going to be looking at each other and talking to each other we're not going to be looking now it's down at phones before it was looking forward at TVs or in newspapers and we're just going to you know talk about our day but we're going to have that bonding time mm-hmm. and then once a year we're going to go off for a week just the two of us by ourselves not inviting other friends not taking our children mm-hmm. and there's some sacrifices that have to come in to make that happen but mm-hmm. it has to be prioritized because mm-hmm. and our children when 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 they were at home and young and we would go out on our date um and we'd have to arrange things like i said it's not that simple you just don't just do it you have to again we live intentionally and we would be ready to go out the door and different ones would protest and want to come along and chuck would always say to them she was my girlfriend before i had you mm-hmm. and one day you're going to grow up and leave me and she's still mm-hmm. going to be my girlfriend and that day has come they've all gone on to their adult lives and That's what their families and we're still boyfriend and girlfriend. We love being together and uh, have fun together. And, and I so. love the intimacy between you. How close you are! Mm-hmm. I love that you you are still friends. Mm-hmm. And and it doesn't just happen. You have to work at making it happen. And yeah. So I see a lot of efforts there. Uh, the things that you mention are not simple. Are not easy. Like it, it needs sure. some effort. Uh, and this time. The media, the movies are telling us you don't need to do much effort. You can you can have friends for benefit. You can enjoy. You can mm-hmm. no more monogamous. You can be polygamous. You can enjoy everybody. So why do you think we should be uh, committed to build a family like that? Why do you think we should make sacrifice to build a family like that? Why don't be free and enjoy life? Mm-hmm. Well, I think you can be free and enjoy your life. I think you'll enjoy it a lot more uh, in the bounds of uh, of a family. Family is the building block of the whole human society. It has always been like this. And um, it, it is being eroded. There are enemies of the family are everywhere, and media is so powerful. And, you know, media is not made in a vacuum. It comes out of a certain part of most of it. Uh, world World media comes out of a certain part of America mm. that is famous for anti-family values and for uh, promoting a whole lot of things that are completely destructive. And when you look at the personal lives of uh, many of the people involved in this industry, they're heavily medicated, they're on drugs, they're in their second, third, fourth marriage, or have given up on marriage. They are perverse in many ways, and their life shows it, and they're not living the abundant life that the Lord gave us. Mm-hmm. But when, you know, it's like if you're trying to build a house and you build four rows of bricks and it cost you a lot of money and you had to save and you built those bricks and then three days later you knock down all those bricks and then you start again, it's like you're never going to get anywhere. You got to start, buy the land. Now you build the first few layers of bricks, wait a few months, do it again, do it again. 
that builds a life. That builds an asset. Now you have a home. Now you have a, you know, you're starting to build wealth. Mm. And that's God's plan for us. You need to mm. find your partner. You don't need any other thing in your mind. You find your partner and you lock in. Well, first you find him and you mm. make him the center of your world. You find that partner and then the two of you say, we are building a life. And you keep your promise. Because here's what a lot of people don't understand. This world is held together by the promises that we make to each other. Uh, some of these promises are written down. We mm. call those contracts. Mm. Others of them are just understood, like parents are supposed to love their kids. Uh, but some of these promises, you, you speak them to each other. And people don't take marriage wedding ceremonies seriously enough. Mm. This is supposed to be you swearing an oath in front of the closest people in the world to you. That's who you should invite. And you are promising before God, I will never cheat on you. I will bring you my best self. Mm. I'll be loyal to you, and I'll be there the day you die. I'll close your eyes in death. And that is the most noble, big mm. human promise. And then living up to that promise every day, it will make you a noble person. And however many children you get or don't get, you know, you'll be a blessed, respected person in the land. Mm-hmm. And it's just, what kind of life do you want? You want a cheap life, easy life? This is an expensive life. Well, you know, a I love that. 40-year marriage, it's costly. But a good marriage is costly, and so is a Mercedes-Benz. <laughs> and so are the finer things in life. And I'm at an age now and a stage that I don't need a bunch of junk. You know, like I don't want 12 phones. I want one great <laughs> phone. Mm-hmm. I want good quality shoes. I want quality everything. That's I want a quality life. I want good food. And this starts with me and Sherry. Yeah. Everything we've ever had in life, we've had because of our relationship, backing each other up. You know, actually, there's that word in Hebrew that has never found a right English translation. When it says that God made woman as a helper, that word is azer, and it's a military word, and it's what made Rome unstoppable as an army. It's when you fight forward and you have a co-warrior who is a half a step behind you, mm-hmm. and you both have a shield, you both have the weapons. You take a step, and azer takes a step. So you're not worried about someone striking you from behind or from the side. You fiercely fight forward, and the Azer watches and fights mm. those other corners. Mm. And the two of you, it's like it's an extra person. Yeah. So you end up, you know, those two are mighty warriors because they fight together. Mm. That's what God intended with a man and a wife. And if you find that, it really is a pearl of great price. Mm. Beautiful design. It's worth what it pay, what you pay mm. for it. Mm. That's a great point there. Uh, this time, the idea of family is being misinterpreted. Uh, attacked by the media, by the storytellers all around the world. And you, the Westerners, can't say about the results. What would you say to the youngsters here who thinks that's the better way? The media is telling the youngsters marriage is no more functional. It's like traditional. And you guys saw the results of that. Right. Well, this year, you know, America has been on the news quite a bit. <laughs> and um, the fabric of um, the fabric of our society is really um, disintegrating. It's very obvious, and I do believe that it's because the family has broken down. Not just the nuclear family, but started with industrialization when it 
the extended family, nuclear families moved away from the extended family. We need each other. We need the strength that every, our grandparents, our aunts, our uncles, our cousins, our moms and dads, uh, family mm -hmm. is foundational to the core of society. And, um, you know, um, a lot of young people feel like, you know, like what you said, you can... Um, Friends, friends with, with benefits. benefits. Yeah, sleep um, And statistically, it has been proven that sexual relationship is the intimacy of sex in a, in a monogamous relationship is more satisfying and fulfilling. It's mm -hmm. statistically proven. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just the deceit of the enemy trying to, to note, break down the fabric of society by breaking down the family and the marriage. And, um, and that has happened in the Western society. We see it more and more every day. And um, so we really want to encourage young people to, you know, f God designed this. It was the mm. first um, human institution that he created was man and wife, m husband and wife. And it is core to who we are in our relationship with um, in society. I think uh, the young people today are being given very false models of happiness. It's a new narrative. It's kind of what you, you said already. It's, an, it's the new storytellers. Mm. And I honestly don't know. I don't think they have a goal. You know, I don't think it's that they see this beautiful new world and they know the way to go there. They're just at war with everything. It's like the foundations of the world. They're trying to kick free everything that's holding up the world. And, uh, you know, the Bible talks about spiritual realities that are behind the, the pillars of society. You know, we all have in every country, you have a government, you have military, you have the economy, you have family, you have religion, and nowadays we have media. And you build your nation on these things. And uh, what principalities are, there's, you know, demon, spiritual, fallen angel powers at war with God, at war with his dream for this world, and they invade those pillars. Mm. And that's why you won't find you know, anywhere mm. on this planet. You can't find a society where all like six of those pillars, where they lead you to the Lord, that they are Christ honoring that. Let's just take the business side. You, know, you won't find a country where the business industry is going to draw you closer to Christ. It's always going to be pushing mm. greed and power and money, sex, power, and all of it. That's everywhere. So these are they're new voices, but it's an old, destructive message. You know, there's these beautiful things we have, mm. virginity and marriage and covenant mm. and a newborn mm. baby. And it's like these are the finest things in life. And they just want to soil them and say they're not worth anything. And mm. you know, so what's worth more? You know, I, you give your, you tear yourself up in little pieces and give yourself to dozens of people. None of these relationships mean anything to you. You just have casual sex, mm. like you're a stray animal on the street, mm. and you say, now that's really living life. Anybody can look at that mm. and say this is a lower level of humanity. This is like half a step above being an animal. And God's called us to nobility. I mean, we're humans. We're the, 
We're the peak of his creativity on this planet. Well, the results we can see also, you know, in our society is there's never been more anxiety yeah, in yeah. individuals. Loneliness. Mm. Suicide. Suicide rate mm. is mm. just skyrocketing. And, you know, and this is the result of this. And that sense of, you know, the one thing that, I, one of the one things that I love about family is I belong. I have somewhere to belong. Exactly. And, you know, you can look through a crowd of people, and if I spot my husband, mm. I spot my child, it's like, I belong to them. You know, I'm not alone mm. in this world. And in this big, massive amount of, you know, people, if I'm in a big crowd, it's mm. like, I belong to somebody. And as my husband said, you know, one day, one of us um, will close the other's eye and we will have been together through this journey of life. And I'm not going to end it all alone by myself, mm -hmm. lonely and dis in despair. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, you may have there may be somebody listening right now and you're from a really messed up family and your family's not been a happy thing in your life. They've hurt you. Even when you go to your family, it may be just woundedness. And uh, I would just like to encourage you, if you're listening to this, that the, the pain can stop with you. You know, like you can be part of a family that's had pain for generations, but you can be the one that breaks that chain and you start a new chain. Mm -hmm. And you say, I'm going to start over yes. and I'm, I'm going to pick good choices in my life and I'm going to start to build something mm -hmm. not just for me but for future generations yeah. they're going to call me blessed because mm -hmm. I stopped the old path mm -hmm. and I started walking a new way and I think God's calling somebody to that today that's amazing I, I really loved it thanks so much for being here I, I'm very honored to interview you guys I'm sure I'll do this again someday Chuck, I love your podcast, and I appreciate my audiences to listen to the Trade Bible podcast. I've been listening and learned a lot. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. God bless we you. Love, you. Thank love you. you so much. Thank That's you so much. God bless. You. Yeah. You and Ethiopia. Thank you guys for listening. Is our program in Nimesil Nebera? Astaytu chachun datalamado kaserbalo link lagulen malkamsa.